Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. And joining us now is Matt Schick, broadcaster for ESPN, ESPN Radio, and Sirius XM. He has been at ESPN since 2012 and hosts numerous shows along with doing play-by-play as well. He graduated from the University of Colorado and got his career started in Denver before moving on to Nebraska and then ESPN. He was born and raised in Rochester, New York, and now lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife and four kids. Matt, so great to have you on Unpacking It today. How are you? Bryce, that is, uh, I already know you are a great researcher, and all of that, (laughs) I can fact check all of that very quickly, and all of that was accurate, according to my sources. Everything you said was accurate. (laughs) Great to be out with you. That's awesome. Well, actually, I I lived in Rochester, New York as a, a young kid before moving to Charlotte. Oh wow! Yeah, I was in uh, I was in Fairport, New York. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah, my mom, my mom's uh, family is, is from. Uh, she was born in Buffalo. My dad was born in Queens. We settled in Fairport. My mom had a lot of family around there. So Fairport High School. I was, I'm a former Red Raider. I moved right before my senior year of high school. That is awesome. I, I moved at the age of five, but uh, but still have fond memories and and especially the uh, the cold winters. That's for sure. So yes, yes, yes. it snows. It snows there. It stays there for six months. Here in Charlotte, a tad better, where you can actually go outside with four kids in the month of January. So it's good. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned those four kids, and and so I understand that you're about to go on vacation with the family. So so what does that look like, and and, and what's it like going on vacation with four young kids? Yeah, you'll be shocked to know we don't get out much. <laughs> uh, you know, when you got four kids, ages three to eight, you know vacations for me are going to work. So I don't take a lot of vacation. I just go to work. And those are, those are kind of the times uh, away. When we go to the neighborhood pool, we feel like we've accomplished something. Like, what'd you do today? Oh, I went and got the mail at the mailbox. Oh, great. You know, that's, that's the big accomplishment. But um, so yeah, we're, we are headed to, we got family in Colorado, my mom, my dad, uh, brother and sister and their two kids. Um, and we're going out to Colorado. We're going to take a three and a half hour flight. So we are at this time panicking of, okay, what entertainment do they have on the flight? Do we, <laughs> I even called the airline to ask them, do you have seat back entertainment? Like, this is what happens. Like when you are, when you don't have kids or just whatever they got, I'm good. I'll bring a book. No, we need to cover all of our bases. So we got our iPads loaded up. We got our Netflix movies downloaded, uploaded, whatever you would call it. And we're ready to go. And then, uh, after about a week there in Colorado, we're going to drive, uh, rent a car and drive seven hours, eight hours to Lincoln, Nebraska wow. to visit uh, my wife's side of the family. We're looking forward to it. So it's a couple of family reunions. We don't burn our vacations all the time with family reunions, but every couple of years <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get together and, uh, and do that. So it'll be, it'll be good. I pray. I'm already praying for the people in row five and row seven <laughs> as we have the entire row six 
for us. So oh. uh, Godspeed to those in five and seven. Wow. Yeah, you are you are brave flying across the country with, with four young kids. But that's uh, that sounds great, and hope you have an awesome time. Matt Schick, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And and so as I even read your bio and 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 know that you are you know involved with different aspects at ESPN. So you host shows, you do some play by play, you host different types of shows and, and interact with different analysts. So so of all those different kind of media platforms, what is your favorite aspect of each of those? Well, I think it's it's all encompassing in that just being able to work with and meet so many different people and people that you know you watched on tv either growing up or before i got into the business and now i get to work with some of those people and and call them colleagues and ask for advice and the fact that everyone's very supportive of everybody and i can you know when i'm getting into play-by-play you know we had some layoffs a couple of years ago and my job changed from more of a studio host to all right you'll do some studio but now you're going to do a lot more play-by-play so i went from calling maybe one or two play-by-play events a year to 25 30 events a year and it almost happened overnight and so to be able to you know text or email or call different play-by-play voices at ESPN and have them at my disposal and everyone's looking out for everybody else you know those relationships are really cool I I love doing games I love doing play-by-play of games I love the prep work that goes into it you know the prep work is the toughest part and then the game starts and and there you go and those are you know getting the the energy from the environment and being around the fans, something you don't get when you're kind of in a sterile, a sterile studio. I love doing the selection shows and unveiling brackets of, you know, we just had the college baseball selection show and it was, it's cool to know that you're unveiling the bracket and, and they're out in the, in the country are different campuses that are holding watch parties and watching and waiting for you to mention their name. <laughs> you know, National Signing Day is cool to watch kids and, and interview kids moments after, right as they're announcing where they're going to go for the next three or four years of school. So I've gotten to do a lot of different creative things. And that's the, you know, the beauty of ESPN is that if you treat people well mm. and you're competent enough, they'll let you do what you want to do or at least give you a shot. And, and I've, I've been able to do that. Oh, that's really cool. Well, so was ESPN always the dream job? And, and then ultimately, how did you end up there? Growing up, I wanted to be a doctor and then quickly oh. realized the, the debt and the schooling. And so those two <laughs> things said, you know what, let's try something else. And I was, you know, I was seven, eight years old, nine years old as Sports Center started to become a big deal. You know, 10 years old, 11, I can remember sitting there and watching Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, and, you know, Craig Kilborn, Brett Haber, Larry Beal, all these guys, Kenny, Kenny Maine. And, you know, that was when SportsCenter was on, you know, once a day. And I remember watching going, well, I love sports. I'm competent at sports. But I recognized very early, I was, you know, academically, I wasn't the most brilliant kid. I had enough street smarts to realize very early at the age of 10, 11, or 12 that I wasn't going to play professionally or get a scholarship to play. Mm. No one was going to compensate me for my athletic endeavors. And so I decided very early that that's what I wanted to do. You know, my, I got an older sister, a younger brother, and my parents, whenever they would go out, and, and we were old enough to watch ourselves, you know, my sister being a couple years older, um, they would go out on a date on a date night, and when they came home, we would have a mock newscast filmed with our camcorder uh, for my parents to watch. 
and I was always a co-anchor with my brother or sister. Then we do some <laughs> skits and creative things. And we didn't have editing equipment, so we had to nail it the first time. And when they would come home, we'd say, okay, we'd pop in the VHS tape, say, here we go. And I would just watch their reaction. And, and just very early, I knew that I wanted to do TV. I wanted to do sports. And to be able to get to this level is, is something that is never lost on me. And I think the mm. steps along the way, I, I'm so glad the journey took as long as it did. Uh, I'll put it that way because it just mm. you just appreciate every little step. Oh, that, that that's cool. No, unpack that a little bit more. Why why you're thankful that it that it took the the, the direction and the the amount of time that it did. I can I can remember um, you know being in college and doing an internship at Channel Nine KUSA in Denver. I would do newscasts at the University of Colorado, and then I would bring them to my internship and show them to the sports producers. And I remember going, hey, as soon as they see this, they're going to want to hire me because I'm really good. <laughs> um, right. We, we all have it. You know, my mom thinks I'm Bob Costas at That's the right. age of 17. Like, like things are going to be great. And I remember showing it, like, yeah, kind of nod their head. And you're in your own little bubble, right? You're only comparing yourself to the kids in your journalism class at mm -hmm. Colorado. And I remember thinking, gosh, I should, I could start here. I could start in Denver and, and here we go. And you realize that, you know, you have these plans, man plans and God laughs, right? Like you think you, you have the best idea. And then you realize once you get into the starter market that, okay, this is a lot more challenging than I thought. Mm. And then when you start at a base level, and you know, I started at a station in central Nebraska, Kearney, Nebraska, a population of the town is 30,000. Mm. And I, I start there and I'm making, I'm making mistakes. I'm screwing up, you know, I'm butchering on camera things. I'm watching my newscast or sportscast every single night. And it's just these, you know, the journey along the way of being able to mess up mm. and thank God that it wasn't YouTube back then. <laughs> uh, social media was not even a, didn't even exist back then. So you're able to screw up and, and be hidden. And then by the time you're ready, then you're more prepared, but the journey, the relationships you have, and I can remember at the ABC affiliate in central Nebraska, KHGI, NTV, where you're there with a bunch of kids your age, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, who are all single. You're all trying to get to that next step and you're all working together. Mm. You're not competing against each other. You're competing with each other and it made you better. And then you take the next step. And I went to Omaha after that. You know, I was a sports director at, at the Central Nebraska station at the age of 22, I, I think, 23 wow. years old. And then I go to Omaha, and now I'm back and as a weekend sports anchor, and I'm looking up to this 35, 40-year-old sports director, and I'm trying, you know, just proving yourself again and again to new audiences, new people. And I just think, you know, there are people who go straight from college to, hey, now I'm going to start in market number 15, or I'm going to intern there, and now they're going to hire me. You're just not allowed to screw up as much. Mm. And I think the journey has made me appreciate it. Where I get to ESPN, and I look in the rear view and go, that was a long journey, but it makes me appreciate where I am. Mm. And uh, there are some people who get to do a level and they don't because the journey was so quick and they don't, you know, it's like a, a guy going straight from high school to the majors. Yeah. That sense of entitlement can set in. Mm. But if you go to A-ball, if you go to double-A, if you go to triple-A, if you're on long bus rides, if you're helping clean up the locker room, if you're helping mow the grass uh, in the outfield, those things help you appreciate every step you've been, and that's kind of where I'm at. 
that that's so cool and and it really it translates to other areas of life too whether you're you're waiting to get married or waiting to get pregnant or or things yeah. like that then you you appreciate it uh, a little bit more when when you've gone through that that journey beforehand. We're we're talking with Matt Schick, uh, ESPN broadcaster, joining us right here on Unpacking It. And so now that you you've spent so much time working in sports media, how has it changed your sports fandom and and how you view sports at this point? It has. Um, I, I won't sugarcoat it. Working at ESPN and covering sports for as long as I have it can do one of two things to you. And there's really no in between. Hmm. It can make you, it can accentuate your fandom that much more because you're in it every day, or it can kill it and put it in the back burner. Hmm. And that's what happened. That's what's happened to me Hmm. where I used to live and die with the Buffalo bills growing up. Right. I mean, every game, every playoff game, every super bowl, which there were four in a row, by the way, which (laughs) didn't go well. I I saw I've heard. These would be, yeah, do some research. It wasn't very good. Um, you know, I, I valued those outcomes so much. And the University of Colorado, you know, when they would lose a big game, that would crush me, you know, whether it was a student or shortly after school. And then the longer you're in it, especially having, being married and now having kids, I would much rather my kid get a base hit in a game than my favorite team win a championship. Hmm. You know, so I, and then, and I'm able to step back and I appreciate all of our fans because they help me pay my bills. Right. I mean, we're all employed at ESPN because people are savage and love their sports and that's great. Uh, but I've being around it so much has almost forced me to step back and go as Seinfeld used to say, I'm rooting for laundry, right? I'm, I'm rooting <laughs> for this, for this color of uniform. And the, the outcome of this 18 to 22 to 35, whatever year old, how they do in their game is defining how happy I am or how, you know, my enjoyment of life or it's mm. going to impact me. It does to, a, to some degree if I'm really invested, um, but I'm very detached. And what that has allowed me to do is become really objective mm. about even my favorite teams growing up. And so there are pros and cons to it. I do miss being the big diehard fan that I used to be, but it allows me to focus on things that are much more important. And, uh, and that starts with my, with my family. And there are a lot of people like me, so I'm certainly not a, uh, not an outlier, Mm. Um, but it's, it's certainly changed my outlook on sports where I'm, I'm invested in it because I need to be, because I need to know what's going on, but emotionally it's not going to impact me. And I think that's a good spot to be. Wow. No, really interesting. Matt Schick, our guest right now on unpacking it. He's a, a broadcaster for ESPN, ESPN radio and Sirius XM. And, and so love hearing about your, your career and, and, and how you ended up at ESPN, but, but would also love to hear a little bit about your faith journey and, and, and I'll just ask, when did you decide to follow Jesus, and, and what was that process like for you to get to that point? I was, I was raised Catholic by my uh, parents and had a great upbringing in that regard. Um, went to church every week and you know, tried to get involved with youth groups every now and then. You know, growing up, it, it felt very, I don't know if legalistic is the right term, because I think that can be unfair and can be used the wrong way, but I... It didn't feel very as tangible to me. And then once I got to college, I got involved with a campus ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh, yeah. 
and I started being around kids that, um, that kind of shared my, my values. Uh, they were more, um, it, it was a diverse group of people, but they, we, we had core values in, uh, that we shared. And, and I think I quickly learned that, you know, once you have that, um, uh, that Christ centeredness, which I always believed I had, but I probably didn't, it didn't really become real to me until college. Mm. Uh, once you have that Christ centeredness, everything else, you know, that filters out into everything else and spills into every other area of your life. And so in college has really, really started to uh, take off for me. And some of my best friends are those who I met through that campus ministry. That's awesome. um, and in fact, it, it came at a time where I was really struggling in college, trying to, trying to stay on the straight and narrow, but also um, just, just trying to have friends that didn't force me to compromise who I was or who I wanted to be. Mm. And, um, and so that, you know, that culture shock at Colorado in college was tough because we had just moved from New York to Colorado the year prior for my senior year of high school. So I had two consecutive years of just new people and in new environments and just trying to find my identity. So anyway, in school, uh, that became a, a big deal. And then eventually, a couple of years later, uh, it was after my junior year of college, I went on a, a summer missions trip, a summer project to San Diego, yeah. uh, where we had to raise a couple of grand. And I uh, spent nine weeks in San Diego. And I met my wife out there. Uh -huh. um, and she she was at St. Cloud State at the time. And she came out with a couple of, of her. We had 95 college kids from all over the country, all over the country that met in San Diego. And we did nine weeks together, you know, some Bible studies and, and learning how to use your job as a ministry opportunity, not just a job to make money, uh, but to meet both ends. And so we were able to do that. We, we uh, evangelized and tried to share the gospel on the beach, uh, which was great because you could go up to people and talk and they couldn't say we were too busy. You know, you're on the beach. Um, so it was, it was, it was good. That taught me about uh, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, discipleship, evangelism, all those things that Jesus preached. And so that's where that really took flight. And then, uh, and then that spilled over into, into, you know, getting into the business and treating people certain ways. And, um, so, you know, the, there wasn't really that one light bulb moment. It's mm -hmm. been a gradual, uh, deal for me and but it really started in college oh that's so cool i i did campus crusade as well up at app state so uh love that ministry and and had a great yeah. impact on, on me as well uh matt schick our guest right now on unpacking it he's a broadcaster for espn and and so how does your faith uh affect how you view your job and and even making sure that your job doesn't become your identity it's a daily challenge it is the, the biggest struggle, and I think, you know, you can call yourself a Christian, and that means you're, that, that what you're doing is not saying you're perfect. You're admitting you're imperfect That's right. and that you need help, and that is a daily struggle for me. Um, you know, my smartphone makes me dumb <laughs> um, because I am, you know, I, I feel like, and sometimes I use it as an excuse but I am, I, I try to know everything that's going on because I host a weekly, you know, radio show on ESPN radio. Um, or I, you know, I, I'm hosting this college football show, so I need to know what these coaches are saying. So I'm listening to podcasts and all this, and I am so full of information about sports, uh, but that can, 
you know, when I'm at home and I'm sorry, I need to check Twitter to see what this writer is writing about because I've got this show in two days. It, it, it is a daily challenge for me to make sure that I'm limiting that and focusing on the things that are important. Cause I look, I'm great at the, at the worldview perspective, but sometimes it's that, it's that uh, minutia day by day, minute by minute that you can get caught up in the things that aren't as important. So I think my perspective is good, but it's a daily challenge to make sure that I am not, um, you know, want to be in the world, but not of it. And I, I think, you know, you become what you're around. And so, uh, admittedly, I need to do, I need to do a better job of that. I think it's, you know, without the anchor of Christ, um, I would get caught up a lot more in what the world thinks of me or what people are saying about me or, you know, what they tweeted me or post about me because social media can be a big, uh, a big wormhole where you start feeling worse about yourself. Mm. I think at the very least what, what my faith has allowed is that I don't care what other people, especially those that I don't know, mm. um, think about me because I know what God, what Christ, what my family think about me. And, you know, we talk about leaving a legacy, um, the legacy that I leave with my kids and family through and starting with my faith is so much more important than any social media imprint retweet funny thing I say <laughs> on the radio could have, because, you know, if I were to die tomorrow, social media, Twitter, they might, you know, have a hashtag that is the 30th uh, biggest trend in the States for like three seconds. Uh, and then <laughs> they will quickly go about their day and go on to the next thing. But my family and my kids will feel that impact for generations. Mm. And so that, that's, that's forced me and allowed me to focus on the things that are, that are important. And um, whether it's getting into the word or getting into daily prayer um, and you know, having weekly, uh, you know, daily conversations, but weekly breakfast dates with my kids and each one of them to kind of impress upon them uh, gospel centeredness, Christ centeredness. So th th those are things, I think the, the anchor of, uh, of life centered on faith has uh, just allowed me to be a better dad and, and a mm. better husband and, and, and biblically impressing that upon my kids has been great. Oh, so awesome to hear Matt Schick, our guest right now on unpacking it broadcaster for ESPN. And, and speaking of Twitter in, in your bio, you, you've got Matthew six thirty three, uh, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well why that verse and, and, and how'd you land on that one to, to add to your Twitter bio? Yeah. Um, that one has been with me since college. Uh, and it's, you know, when we think about, um, things that are important, um, you know, I remember a quote from, uh, from Tom Brady and this was maybe five or six years ago. This is after he'd won a couple of Super Bowls, I think. And it was an interview that he did where he, he admitted, he goes, you know, I've won X amount of Super Bowls, but there's still something missing. Mm. There's still something else. And, and I remember watching that going, it doesn't matter how much you win, uh, how much money you make, um, because there's always going to be something more that, that you're missing. Um, you know, some of the people who make the most money are the most unhappy people. And, and so that verse is let's start with this. 
let's start with Christ. Let's start with faith. Um, you know, because once you have that, then whatever is is whatever else you're seeking, you will either change uh, what you're seeking, you will change what you're pursuing for pleasure, or God will bless you with certain aspects of that. Mm. But you know, the Bible is full of stories of people who had nothing but had Christ. Mm. And, um, and, and I always wonder, how can those people be happy? How can people who have nothing but Christ be happy? And then you realize those who have everything but Christ are, are desperate and, mm. and desperate for something else because it doesn't fill the void. Mm. And so seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I love the all these things because all these things doesn't necessarily mean nice house, money, fame, fortune, all these. It's all these things, the things you need the, and the things you, that God knows you need. Mm. Um, and, and, and rarely is that a material good. That's right. And so, um, so that, th- that to me is seek God first, go for that first, because if you don't go for that first, it's, it's misplaced pursuits. Um, because you don't need everything to have everything because everything is Christ. And so I, I just, I love that verse. There's many others that I could pick, but that's one that stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, no, that that's powerful. And, and I appreciate your perspective and, and just that, that good word, even just unpacking that verse. That, that was awesome to hear. And, and Matt, as we, as we wrap things up, man, I could talk to you all day. Uh, but, but I, I've kind of been asking this question as we wrap things up for the last few months, because, uh, my, my wife is due with our first child in August and, and so I got to ask you as a, a father of four, what advice do you have for a first time dad? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, trying to reflect on our first child. So we had four kids, uh, five and uh, four kids under five. Oof for about two months. And then our oldest turned five. Um, I will say that as you get, have more kids, uh, the first kid you're like, you, you know, he's in a bubble. We're never letting him out of the house for the first five years. And then by the time you get to kid four, it's oh, is he playing out in traffic? He'll be fine. Um, you know, it's like your perspective certainly changes, but for the first one, there are, uh, there are a few things. One, make sure you're doing as much as you can to share the responsibilities with your wife, mm. because although she might be uh, breastfeeding, getting up in the middle of the night and all that, uh, make sure you're doing whatever you can to assist in that. Cause that will go a long way, uh, for, for your marriage. Um, the other things are very, uh, trivial yet can go a long way. Uh, don't do anything you have to always play the long game. Mm. Don't do anything uh, for the, you know, consistently that you aren't going to do for the next two or three years. Specifically, uh, allowing your children to sleep in your bed uh, with you. Don't do that. I just met with someone the other day. Said, yeah, my daughter slept in my bed for the first seven years of her life. Don't ever oh. do that. Our children never slept in our bed. Uh, that was, that's a sacred spot. That's our place. Please children, you have your own uh, place. That, that, that is one thing. Uh, the other, you need to learn the, the beauty of the dream feed, which is when the baby is swaddled uh, before you go to bed 
as the ba- you know, when you've got that bottle of milk or whatever, whatever it is, breast milk that has been pumped, dad, that is your time. Wake the child up. Well, you're not even waking 11, 1130 at night. That baby is swaddled. Feed that baby. That baby won't wake up, but it will eat. Uh, he or she will eat. And then that'll buy you a three or four more uh, hours of sleep. You will learn very quickly that your happiness in life is directly correlated to the sleep habits of your child. <laughs> um, and so make sure that those sleep habits, sleep training, all of those things uh, come as soon as possible. Because otherwise, your first child will be your last because you will never, ever want to do it again. So, um, But it is... I will say it is the greatest trade-off in the history of life and mm. that you give up so much. You give up your social, a lot of your social life. You give up a lot of your freedom, but you gain uh, so much more. And that you, this child that you just met, you would fall in front of traffic for that child mm. um, to bring it back for full circle. So it's, uh, it's the greatest blessing. It's the greatest miracle. And you start thinking about Bible stories. As soon as you see that child, you go, oh, my goodness, uh, uh, Abraham and, and going to the mountain. My goodness, this is, this is really uh, powerful. That, and think about God giving up his only son for you. Mm. I would never do that for anyone. Mm. So it's the perspective that you gain the moment that child is born is, uh, is really incredible. And so... Best of luck and prayers to you because it is a journey that uh, it's it's so life changing. You're never ready for it, it's like yeah. marriage, right? <laughs> you'd never you'd never get married if you had to be ready to get married, and you'd never have a child if you had to be ready. That's the right. moment you leave that hospital, you will be shocked that they allow you to take that child home <laughs> uh, by yourself. You will drive 25 and a 55 uh, for that child, and uh, it's it's great. So uh, blessings to you, prayers to you, and that's uh, congratulations in advance. It's great. Oh, that's excellent. No, I appreciate that really thoughtful advice uh, from Matt Schick. And, and Matt, really appreciate you joining us here on Unpacking It today. Just love your, uh, love your heart and, and all that you uh, shared with us today, and we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. A- anytime. Look, uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to the next time. Thanks, Bryce. Awesome. Thanks so much. There's Matt Schick joining us here on Unpacking It. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.